And you're very welcome to Wade In as we look back on the weekend and the week that was. West Dover, very impressive at the Curra in the Irish Derby. We'll talk about that. All the weekend results. Gosden Dottori, if you're not already bored to death of it, and all your listener questions answered as well, in the company of Mr. He's always on holidays, Kevin Blake. How are you, Kevin? Hello. Yeah. Do you do any work at all, do you? This farmer's life is a doddle. I reckon I could do it with one hand. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Huh? I haven't been on a farmers sitting years. around, reading magazines, doing <laughs> eating chocolates all day, giving out about the race. And I tell you what, I could put me down in Golden for a week there and... Make a documentary and see how you get on. <laughs> how are you, doing? I'm stunned. I'm stunned. <laughs> I wouldn't last two seconds, Kev. I would not last two seconds. Fact, Tony Calvin. Fact. Oh, Blake's the um, 25 hours a day merchant, isn't he? When he takes yeah. his days off. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean this, this podcast is pretty much all the work I have to do today. And, and I, I'm even I'm even pissed off to be doing that, Vanessa. I mean, that's the state of my work ethic, that my job satisfaction. Um, hey, you're just back. You're lovely channel. swearing today, you. You've, you've lasted about 30 seconds. Yeah. How was the holiday, Vanessa? Good time? Uh, yeah, very good time. Thank you. Yeah, good. much enjoyed. A couple of few days away. Good gang of people. Nice weather. Good food. Yeah. What more could you ask for? I'd be if I was if I came back from anywhere somewhere I'd be as pale as I was when I went away because I just don't go into the sunshine and I'm pretty pale today after being sick all day yesterday. But anyway, look, quick on with the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I've got a great um, tan. Look at that. You do Coffee actually, colors. yeah. Impressive, impressive, yeah, impressive. Before we get into the issues of the day, um, if you're not aware, it's Racing Staff Week. So if you check out the Betfair social media channels and posts today, you'll find all the details. But on Saturday, Racing Staff Week kicked off for those that. Don't know exactly what it is. It celebrates those that work in the racing industry, whether it's stable staff, race course staff, or even just people in the racing uh, general wide media itself. Betfair are proud to be sponsoring it for the week and a sixth consecutive year involved as well. Um, and it's all about saying thank you. So we're launching a competition and we're asking you listeners to send Racing Welfare a 30 second video saying that you want to thank somebody in the industry. It could be a colleague, a friend, someone that you're just familiar with from race going, a person that really deserves a mention. The winning entry is going to receive £250 voucher for both the nominee and the nominator. So both of you um, get rewarded for this. And we're going to be on the judging panel. So myself, Kevin, Vanessa and Tony are going to judge the winners this week. The winning entry, as I said, will receive that voucher. All you have to do to enter is to follow the link in the show bio or head over to Betfair's Twitter account to see all the details there. So come on, Vanessa, give us someone you want to thank there. Tony doesn't want to thank anyone because he doesn't thank you know, he probably doesn't even, didn't even thank his parents, I'd say, for raising him. But who do you want to thank this week for raising staff week? <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm, I'd be the opposite of Tony. I've got loads of people to thank. Mm. But as an example of how your video should go, I yeah. would like to thank, well, actually, I, I struggled to pick a name, but I'd like to thank the race tech cameraman who work behind the scenes at Sky Sports Racing with mm. us on course day in, day out. They're just a different league of gentlemen. Um, they're a pleasure to work with. They look after be all the time and we literally couldn't do the job without them so it's a big thank you to the race tech team but I was asked to name someone specifically so I went with Dan Fordyce who is my northern cameraman and he was mm. with me in the early days um, when I was like a quivering wreck he always looked after me and essentially I owe him a big thank you because he's always on my side so thank you yeah Dan. 
Yeah, well done, Dan, because we have heard anecdotally the shit that Vanessa gives you and all the other cameramen. The stuff you guys have to put up with dealing with Vanessa is absolutely horrific. I mean, I mean Diva, Diva doesn't cover Madonna. It looked like a golden child compared to what Vanessa does. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so, well it's not so much the Diva. It's not so much the Diva. It's just on those long days where we've got three meetings and we don't really have to talk that much. I just love getting stuck into a game of like either or. So essentially yeah. just doing their head in, making them, you know, chat crap with me all day do they do they get their expenses back for the rose petal that you insist on being thrown on the ground to walk on to race courses you won't go anywhere without these walking on they petals. do, do they get that back? all of that back do they, they? Do. okay yeah, well that's fair. okay fair. okay that's fine get your videos in all the details in the bet for social channels as well best of luck to that we are pretty discerning judges as well so you're going to have to do well to impress us particularly calvin there doesn't thank anybody but anyway look we're cacking on the under 50 quick cash back gets you the vote <laughs> <laughs> yes little brown envelope we'll give you the address later on right let's kick on with um the weekend racing review guys i suppose we better start with the derby and um, kevin blake because westover was extremely extremely um impressive we saw the post-match reaction from uh, connections as well obviously colin Keane, his first derby fantastic story for him but also uh, for mr beckett who was was delighted that he made a decision to come over in the first place after you know was pretty unlucky at epson what happened he wouldn't have beaten desert crown but um, certainly probably would have got second this was very good he was, and it was very straightforward. Look, wide winning margin, main market rival didn't perhaps bring her A game, but that wasn't his fault. Lovely, simple ride. And um, yeah, bolted up. And yeah, look, it's hard to know what would have happened at Epsom. Um, like he did finish off extremely well after the door was shut on him so dramatically. And look, his connections will, will be more than entitled to be looking forward to another crack at Desert Crown, um, be it the King George, or, or wherever it might happen, that that'd be the likeliest place, I'd say. Though uh, connections were non-committal afterwards, and yeah, let, let's see the rematch. Let's see what happens. And you, you say that Rafe Beckett wasn't great form and really enjoyed it, and he did seem to be enjoying it. But uh, but I did hear, um, I did hear subsequently that he did actually go home quite disappointed because he was hoping to to bump into his favorite podcast presenter. And uh, yeah. true, to, true, true, I believe a uh, said podcast presenter going. Uh, uh, I believe hiding in a cupboard was mentioned. Um, he didn't yeah. quite manage to bump into him. So that, that was one yeah. low note for, uh, Listen, for, for Rafe. <laughs> all I can say is that I am a great man to talk shit when somebody is in no danger of getting near me. But as soon as I meet them face to face, I shit myself and run to the nearest exit. So there was no chance. Did you have it. a Boris Johnson hiding in a fridge moment, did you? Yeah, exactly. So what actually happened was one of Mr. Beckett's friends were over and he said, hey, I think, I are you Hugh Cal? And I said, no, I've never heard of him. I ran out the door. Have you noticed what he said here? He said, Mr. Beckett. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to say twice he now. Gone, twice, he hasn't even gone twice. near the first night. <laughs> Listen, Ralphie, and, Ralphie, and, I, Ralphie and I are just fine. Ralphie and I will always be, whenever we do meet, which hopefully is very soon, <laughs> we're, we'll be fine. There'll be no issue. But I'd like to say to all the Becketts, well done on a fantastic achievement of the weekend. Brilliant. I was delighted for him. He seems like a thoroughly pleasant chap. I'm sure we get on spiffingly if we ever did meet for an old glass of sherry sometime. <laughs> anyway, what did you make of the performance, DC? Westover. If he does yeah. take on Desert Crown again, would you be tempted to side with him? It's got, I know it's probably just hyperbole. It's got a little bit about the Dancing Brave Sharastani rematch, isn't it? After it's got shades of that after what Westover did there. I mean, I think you had to be massively impressed. I mean, this deal we've got to remember obviously blew out at Epsom, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't nine to one shot there. And, you know, we, we pushed him aside by seven lengths. So yeah, I, I was, I was really, really impressed by the performance. To be honest with you, obviously 
we got Tuesday not really running a race. And it's in stark contrast to the, the Gosden Detroit situation. It's it's interesting that Aidan O'Brien took one for the team there, didn't he? He said he, he gave Ryan the wrong instructions. I mean, I'm not sure if that's particularly true or not. But no, I take nothing away from the winner. Um, I was massively impressed. And it got me thinking about who you mail. Obviously, who in that London sale, he, he got bought for 1.2 million. If that yeah. sale was a if that sales was again tomorrow after Westover Frank the form, I wonder what what he'd go for now. But um, yeah, I'm I'd be I think they I think it'd be really close between that and Desert Crown. Obviously, Desert Crown's the, the traveller and stuff like that. So it will depend on the run style and a lot like that. But yeah, I I don't think there'll be a lot in it if they go for the King George. No, I don't think there will be either, Vanessa. Which is very exciting because we, we did put. Desert Crown on a pedestal after the Derby win and we thought well that's him to stone up the one and a half mile or even the longer slightly shorter division here but now we have real competition yeah no I'd be thoroughly thoroughly looking forward to a rematch between the two of them for sure I sort of went in waves with Westover's Irish Derby performance in the sense of one minute I thought it was a really incredible performance and then the next one I was looking at the form and I was thinking ah is Pisbadil really the horse we think he is and then he went off a bigger price than we thought and he was beaten seven lengths in the end then you've got French acclaim who's not even proved himself to be anywhere near group one class at this point Tuesday underperformed Glory Days was a huge price you know all of a sudden you can start to pick holes in the form in quite a severe way so mm. I've definitely been a bit swings and roundabouts with it but the more I've watched it back a couple of times and I suppose what I loved about him is just that like relentless yet not too severe consistent rhythmical gallop he gets himself into from A to B it's just mm. so smooth and the way he goes through the gears and makes life very easy for himself obviously he met it wasn't his fault the traffic he met at Epsom and just on a day like this where I, he was able to keep it very simple with new jockey on top which I'm sure we'll get to in due course um, yeah. but you know he just goes from A to B in a very rhythmical yet relentless way and uh, yeah, the rematch will be very exciting. I'm just not sure of the form. Pisbadil's big talking horse. That Buckaroo form line's not really holding up. He's disappointed twice now in two derbies, really, if we're being honest. Um, yeah, so a little bit cautious of the form, impressed with the performance overall. Two to one for the St. Ledger now from fours. The King George, four to one from 10, and eight to one if you're looking as far as the arc. Uh, in what October of this year, but um, he's look, he's definitely put himself into the picture in all of those um, middle distance races. So look, it's it's exciting, I guess. Just a quick word on Tuesday, Kevin. Aidan O'Brien did say that um, he gave Ryan Moore, uh, in his own words, the wrong instructions for the race, and subsequently post race, Aidan said, "Look, anything that was out off the, the leading pace had no chance, given the wind." And I was there, and it was very windy. Um, but do you think it was just maybe too much too soon for a horse that is only just three years of age? And look, it was a, a very punchy thing to do. And look, it, it certainly livened up the race. Um, look, she, well, she seemed to be in the wrong position as the race went. And, you know, she's she's run okay, but she's clearly a fair way below Epsom. And look, you know, taking on the Colts is is, is a tough ask. But doing so, you know, being such a, a young filly, um, it, it was a tough ask. But look, we'll, we'll give her another chance. I'd say she'll have no trouble coming back to 10 furlongs. Um, back in against Phillies, she'll have plenty of options. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't like to judge her too harshly for all that it was disappointing on the day. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and obviously, look, around the day itself, I mean, just to back up what Vanessa said last time, as a venue as well, the Curra, I know they're trying to make changes. I know they're trying to make it a more consumer-friendly place, a more genial atmosphere. 
around racing, but it's just not a good venue. And I, I'm saying this as somebody who's uh, you know been there an awful lot the last three years. Uh, I was there on Saturday again. Vanessa, you weren't overly impressed last time. I completely back up what you said. It's just not an impressive venue. And they've a lot of things to work on. And I believe that they're trying to do things, changes. Um, and Brian Kavanagh is at the helm there. I wish him all the best, but they've a lot of work to do. Right, we'll I talk just, about. I just some... don't agree with you. I, I think yeah, it's but, a yeah, but Kevin, Kevin, your idea of like you know, good crack is sitting there with a cup of tea on your own, like <laughs> in the right hand side with an umbrella over your head. You know what I mean? You're like. But, uh, you, but yeah, are, you to- are you talking about? Are you talking about a venue or an experience? Because as a, as a venue, I think it's top class. Well, I, 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 well, as an as an okay, okay, we can argue the ins and outs of the stand itself, which is I think is god awful. And whenever the wind blows there, which is every day of the week, there's a massive wind tunnel that sweeps through the stand that even makes a hot day feel like freezing and and just horrible experience. So the, the, the design structure of the stand is terrible inside. Well, yes, you can't lovely... you can't do much about that. You, in fairness, you have to well, face the stand towards the race course, and the prevailing wind blows into it. You well, know, the, yeah, I'm sure you the greatest in, the greatest engineer in the planet can you know can deal with uh, well, you it's know, engineering, that particular I think engineering, issue. The engineering, uh, whoever designed it, uh, I think it was his first day in the job, and somebody just threw rocks <laughs> to give it to him. But but yes. secondly, as well, Kevin, I, I accept the facilities are are nice in terms of like you know there's a, it's a beautiful building and it's clean and it's modern all that kind of stuff, but it's just the whole layout of the place is just it's just so hollow and it's just there's no atmosphere there's no there's no sense uh, and I don't know what you do about that because <laughs> I'm going to nominate you Carhill uh, for the racing uh, stable award because after he gets sacked from all these jobs after that he's going to need that 500 <laughs> yeah, yeah I will absolutely <laughs> I missed I, I, I couldn't I couldn't go racing yesterday I picked up a gastro thing over the weekend and I got an injection to make me go racing on Saturday but yesterday was sick as hog as well uh, but the good news is I've lost about two stones so I'm feeling feeling grand <laughs> I know weight scale but anyway, um, we'll move on from the car. Actually, there's some other, some other stuff to talk about um, from the weekend um, as well. Uh, yesterday, Kevin, and I, I, look, there was a, a huge incident um, involving a horse weighing in. Uh, was it Wayne Lorden, who was apparently told to remove five pounds of weight from a saddle uh, b- b- before going out to the race course, came back in to weigh in and was found to be five pounds light. Um, this whole thing proved uh, a bit of a disaster uh, and it does point and seem like the like whoever the stewards were at the time messed up here. What's your sense of what happened? Um, it, it's it's God, it's very strange, isn't it? Very strange incident. And look, when you read through the facts as we know them, um, like it, it sounds like some sort of a scales glitch, a computer glitch, you know, a kind of a clearly kind of a one-off thing because it didn't happen to anyone else in the same race or elsewhere mm-hmm. on the card. Um yeah, look, they are going to investigate this and we might get more detail in due course. But the end result is it seems as though um, Paddy Toomey's filly, uh, Ross Carberry, has been disqualified from third place in a group one through no fault of her own, through mm. no fault of her connections. Yeah. Uh, and look, it, it, there, there could well be ramifications. Um, Paddy Toomey has talked about an appeal. I don't know how much scope there is uh, to, to get a, a desirable result, like w- would compensation be sought? I don't know because the, the stakes are pretty high here. Um, like they supplemented the filly in at the cost of 30 grand. There's the prize money she's lost, but um, most, I suppose, per- most pertinently, you know, she's she was a group one place filly briefly and um, now she's not. And in terms of her residual value, like that, that's a that's a big, big thing. Um, so it's definitely got a number on that, Kev. Um, oh, you'd be, you'd be talking in the hundreds of thousands, I suspect, in terms of additional value. Um, and then, of course, there's the betting public who, who you know, might have backed her each way and um, through no fault of their own 
have uh, have lost their stakes, lost their winnings. Uh, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. Um, and look, like it's not like the the weighing like the weighing in procedure is very well established. It's all computerized now. Um, like yeah, for for it to happen any day of the week is is really disappointing. For it to happen in a group one, ooh, messy. It seems like um, it does seem like human error coupled with potentially um, a scale. Uh, miscalculation. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much human error was in it, Hugh, because they like apparently like when the weights are registered on the scales, it comes off on a computer print off, and the humans involved were simply acting based on what the the computer and the scales right, were telling them right, to do. Right. You know, it's my, it's my understanding of the facts. Mm. You know, so I, I don't know if it would necessarily be fair to blame the humans, um, given that they you know are, are following the numbers in front of them and the systems. Yeah. So, look, I'm sure we'll know more about it in the fullness of time. We should probably all reserve full judgment until the full investigation is completed. But I don't know if Paddy Toomey and the connections of Ross Carberry and the back, certainly the backers of Ross Carberry are going to get any satisfaction or, or justice as such because it seems Becker as though did the damage is done. Yeah. Bedford did pay out on Ross Carberry. Yeah. Uh, just oh, fair play. Yeah. 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 What's your sense of this, um, TC Vanessa? I mean, look, it does seem. I mean, they're going to have to resolve this. They, they, the genuine, the connections seem genuinely, um, you know, first of all, angry about this and annoyed about this, which they're entitled to be. But it does seem like this is nobody's fault. Certainly, you know, of connections, and I don't want to well, kind of seems, jump the gun here. There seems to be a, a lot of confusion in the aftermath, as in, you know, the trainer came out and said what had happened and obviously he wasn't delighted because of the uh because pre-race because of the five pound situation he was late saddling up his horses wasn't he so he didn't seem best pleased about that but i mean there just seems to be a lot of confusion from everyone which is understandable because i just you just can't really make sense of it because as kevin said i don't even think it's human error it, was, it could literally just be a weighing a, a, a glitch in the weighing in system but that even seems weird well, I don't know it's just very you know it's the exact five pounds that he was asked to take out I, I don't know the whole thing is a real mystery to me, I mean, and, me yeah. and, and perversely Hugh for all that we, we've talked about all the losers in this case there actually were winners too like the no, connections of, the connections of Thunder Kiss <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, now yeah. having finished fourth in a, in a group one now have a group one place Philly they gain in prize money anyone that backed her uh, have backed a winner you know so there are some winners in, in what is an absolute mess of a situation otherwise and a bittersweet day as well for Paddy Toomey uh, TC with Le Petit Coco her um, first group one connections as well there and did it brilliantly as well I mean only for this to, to happen it's uh, it's a bit of a it's a tough one, I suppose. Yes. The, the betting markets over at the current weekend were just absolutely mad. I mean, the Petit Coco went off at 11 to 1 at a bet for SP. I mean, yeah. about, you know, literally about three or four times the price that was expected in the morning. I mean, this is a, you know, this is a Philly beat love last year at, at the track. And yeah, there was some, there was some mad, mad drifts at the weekend. I mean, Chartosh, that went off at a, a very similar price, having been about 72 fours in the morning. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you um, I mean, I I never I'm never put off by a drifter, but uh, yeah, was well, some some massive lengtheners there, and and a lot of them, a lot of them, you know, a lot of them actually uh, caught me. April was sixes and eights in the morning in some places. That went off at twenty four to one at Bet First B. It's you know, if if you're if you're one of the people who are put off by drifters, I mean, and even you know, even suffice to say it. I mean if you are laying on laying a drifter I mean you've actually done your nuts at the weekend but yeah it was some really really weird betting markets 
And it was. I thought Le Petit Coco, I mean, that was, I mean, focusing on the fact that he's trained a group one winner amid all the aftermath of the mess of the third. A serious performance from her off a break against race fit rivals, doing it the way she did it. She wasn't perfect throughout. Like I felt like she was keen early. You know, she was slightly throwing her head around a bit in the very early stages. She did settle relatively quickly, but then she found so much in the finish. And they've got so many options with her now. Um, my Astra had was left with probably too tough a task and didn't have an ideal ride. She's probably the one to take out of the race, but that's uh, you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to see that. But for the winner, I thought she was just so tough off a break. I was, she was. I was really impressed with her. Really impressed yeah. with her. And I either Paddy really. Toomey is the most dour person in the history of the world, or he was actually worried about something post-race. Because in that initial post-race interview, the first one he does with Nick Luck, I mean, I know that some of those Irish trainers are pretty straight, flatline human beings. <laughs> but this guy, I like, he wasn't just flatline. He was lowline. Like, I yeah. was thinking... Man yeah. after my own heart. And then when uh, the Claxon went, I did think, is he worried about something else? But I think maybe he's just like that. No, I'll tell you, I, I, I know Pat. Paddy's a neighbour of mine. Like, I, I look out my office window and I'm looking straight down Paddy's gallop. When you're sitting there for an afternoon reading magazines and eating chocolates, you just turn your head slightly to the right and you can see that hard man at work, Ken. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think Paddy gets very paranoid that, that I steal some prices on him. Watching the work and the gallops. But uh, yeah, pa- Paddy is a very, like, like particularly, I suppose, level character, if you want to put it that way. And to be honest, kind of knowing him, I thought I only saw the interview in RT. Now, I thought he was a little bit emotional for Paddy because like he's been looking for this group one win for a long time they've had some very close calls and they've had horses hitting the frame and in, in the Irish skinnies and, and uh, the Irish derby obviously the day before and they've had a few real close calls and um, like Paddy's a real kind of a perfectionist of a character and, and a competitor and you, you, you know there was an eye in him you know and it, it was a big uh, end, end, of, end of the rainbow sort of pot of gold for him and he got there uh, and while it, it might, if, if to to, a, to someone who doesn't know, might have thought it was a little bit flat or whatever, that I, I thought there was a little tinge there. Now, well, I'm, I didn't see, <laughs> I didn't see the RTE interview. In fairness, I only saw the Nick Luck one. And if anyone watches that back, yeah, it's it's not it's not the interview of a man who's just landed his first Group One. But what what are their what are Scarby's chances of successful appeal? Is it the IHRHRB that handles um, that game? And is the I, new I, man I, in charge already, or what's the story? I, I'd imagine the chances are absolutely zero, to be honest. Because it, uh, no, I'm not even being smart, but I, like I assume in, in real terms, she actually did carry five pounds uh, too, too little. You know, oh, and that's, okay. I, 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 assume, oh, I assume she actually carried five pounds light, in which case you have to chuck her out. Um, because, okay, but then well, they, they might have different recourse then because they're going to say, well, it's not our fault. We were told to do this. They messed up, as in the stewards or whoever conducted uh, the pre race weight um, job took basically messed up here so they, they might have recourse to kind of pursue this then quite possibly quite possibly but look T's and C's etc um, when you hammer down into the legalities of it maybe they're covered but like I think as the chat was that they have um, a non-official scale in there that the jocks will sit on before they go to the big scale um, just to make sure that they're in the right neck of the woods you know and uh, Wayne seemingly did sit up on that with, with his gear and weighed, you know, very close to the correct weight. He then sat on the official scale and it said he was five pounds too heavy. They removed five pounds, reweighed him. It seemed to be correct. Um, and that was, and, and, and maybe Wayne might, like, I don't know exactly what happened, but I suppose if you're, if you're trying to put yourself in Wayne's boots, if like five pounds is a lot. 
and I talked to a couple of lads now that, that have been, you know, in that situation a lot. And you know, you it's not unusual to be a little bit out, but five pounds is a uh, is, is is may as well be five stone. Like that's a lot. And I suppose if, perversely, if it was a situation where um, Wayne weighed on the trial scale and went into the main scale and it said he was two pounds light and he needed five pounds additional on top of that, maybe he would have questioned it a little bit more. Um, but the fact that they were taking five pounds off him, um, maybe it made him a little bit more agreeable and, non- and, and, and non-questioning of what was happening. Um, but okay. again, it's not, his, it's not his responsibility to ask the questions. You know, the system is supposed to be correct. You know, it shouldn't need any, anyone to ask a question or raise a, a query. The system is supposed to work um, every time, bang on. I um, OK, before we leave, um, just one more on the Curra statuette one yesterday. I thought it very well. She's 10 to 1, I think, now for the 1,000 guineas with the Betfair Sportsbook for next season. I think she's the best um, I've seen this year so far. I don't know if any of you would disagree with that. I, and yesterday, even I know just when she put her head down and Ryan asked her to go out of business, she just drove on. I really, really like this video. I think she's class. Yeah, God, she's impressive now. I know it wouldn't have blown everyone away now, but I, like I think in Aiden said as much afterwards, like I think they're going softly, softly with her. You know, yeah. they, they skipped Royal Ascot. Yeah. Um, despite being fab for the Albany, you yeah. know, the, just you get the feeling she's she's a big, big, big filly. You know, I you like her. It, it will be about next year. We'll be about going further. You know, her pedigree, like she's she's a miler all over. You'd imagine. So yeah, I I think that the excitement is justified. Yeah, I think the ten to one for the Guineas um, next April is going to look very very big. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Um, Trushan, Vanessa Royal, Trushan, oh, yes. the greatest weight carrying performance in the history of equine sports, was it not? Or some oh. crap like that. I don't know about this. Like, I'm not sure about this line. I don't know. Like, I say that tongue in cheek. It's it's been over 20 years since a horse, you know, ran it ran in a handicap off that type of rating. Like, I thought it was incredibly notable. Like it's just no, not. No, no, whoa, it's just whoa, whoa, whoa. not. Att- it's just it's, not attempted. Never mind. It's, it's win notable. Off it, you know? It's definitely notable. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely notable. But we don't really have many. There's not many examples to compare this to because this doesn't happen enough. And now, yeah, but that makes it notable in itself. But it doesn't happen because you know most trainers wouldn't think it, it, it would be possible to do that. You know, like I don't think Alan King believed he could win. He was running them to kind of serve a purpose to give him a run before. Um, he went off the three to, go, to one favorite. I just it don't was, get it was, it was ten. It was ten to one after Dex. Yeah. You know, I I just I, I I thought it was I thought it was a special sort of day now. Um, and I know it's there. Sometimes you can get carried away by it, but I, I, I was hopeful the horse would run well. I didn't think he could win off that type of rating, um, and and I, I thought it was genuinely special. It felt special the way he did it. Like he was so tough to do it. Um, you know, with with the race not really having gone to plan. Actually, ironically, his stablemate actually made things more difficult for him because he's a hard horse to settle, and he was sort of semi settled. And then um, Kevin Stott and the stablemate kind of made headway. Down, down the back from nowhere and kind of went up his outside and fired him up again and didn't get the clearest run of the straight. And like, you had to be okay. really, really tough. Uh, I have a question for you, Kev. This is a genuine question because it's comparing jumps to flat. But on the jumps, you're always telling us 
run the good horses yes. in the handicaps yes. and they'll win. You're always yes. telling us that. Yeah, right? it's, it's different. Okay? That, that's, a, that's a product of... Um, Why is it different? That, that, Why is that's it different? A, it's 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 complete two completely different handicap systems. The reason oh, that I'm always putting that forward is because in the last kind of fifteen years, the the mid range rating ratings of of national hunt horses has gone way up, and the tip top the numbers of tip top horses stay the same. So the middle of the road horses, top horses, this has been happening in national hunt racing. You know they've got closer together, and that's why these horses are now well handicapped relative to these horses. That hasn't happened on the flat. You know, okay. the, 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 the rating system and the flat has far more integrity than um than the jumps rating system. So yeah, Vanessa. The, so that, so there, I'm with Kevin on this. That's the kind of and yeah, uh, no, I was asking the question I, I, genuinely. I, 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 genuinely. I just, so I just realized that the, I just realized that I just realized that this is a podcast rather than a video cast so people won't, won't be able to see yeah. the Kevin things was that putting I was doing his hands with my hands high and then to demonstrate. Yeah. Just think no, of I was Garrett, actually Ross asking Garrett that. I wasn't doing the keep a quiet motion. Kev, I will I'm not throwing stones at you yeah, i was genuinely asking no 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 and i saw I, a couple a couple that. of people tweeted yeah. me with the same thing and yeah. you know that, that's the reason why but um like in terms of performance ratings like it, it it was a career best um and you just love to see it because it makes the thing so much more interesting like like that in a just slightly different circumstance if this was jumps racing you know trushan would have turned up there in a, in a grade one at five to one on and and one and that would have been shite but you know it, 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 in this situation a handicap it's so much more interesting because like we say, 10 to one after Dex, like a 9% chance of winning, you know, it's, it's so much more engaging. He shortened significantly, but it, it made for a really exciting, memorable event. Yeah. You know, Tony, and, Tony Calvin had it. I, I, I bet my last dollar that Tony Calvin had a tear in his eye as true shot across the line. And win. Oh, I, uh, I'm, I'm more in <laughs> Kevin's camp than, than, than uh, yours and Vanessa's. No, I, I was massively impressed by it. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, you know, if you're damning with faint praise a horse that went off a mark of 120 in that kind of fashion, then yeah, you are a very hard crowd. It's interesting to see what... what Jesus the... Christ, Vanessa, we must be stone if Tony... <laughs> what we're talking about. It'd be interesting to see what the revised rating is. I was chatting to somebody <laughs> after the race. Um, you're making me feel bad now. I'm chatting to someone after the race, and it, the touch we got around, I don't think it's been... I think it's been quite underplayed. And we were chatting about... By Eads revised rating after the Queen Anne. Someone, someone tell me, I know we're going off at a tangent here. Someone, how can that horse be raised three pounds to mark of 128 after after winning the Queen Anne? Yeah, that it feels very, it feels very fudgy to me. Be interesting like to see how much I mean, Trushan could be rated 122, 123. Yeah. Like most handicapping, you can kind of justify a lot of things you do, and they justified it through real world, you know, that he had extended his margin over chinned Like if you want to, you know, put a number on a horse, you'll find some justification. I thought it was a little bit fudgy to make him because because I think they, they want to make him the highest rated horse in the world, and Flightline had probably put up a higher number than Baid, and now they might be pretty close together at the top. Like there's all sorts of little things going on here, but um, in terms of his revised rating, they, they, they have to put him up a few. Um, and he'd be the highest rated stare in the world. I think I think Hurricane Lane might be at the minute, if you want to call him a stare. But um, I thought it was magic. And, and you'd love to see more of it. And like I think I'm writing about it today for At The Races. But like it does raise so many possibilities. Like a few years ago, I kind of started the little thing to try and get um, 
uh, Stradivarius's connections to run him in the E-bar. You know, I thought that yeah. would have been fantastic. Okay, they could do that this year. He's dropped about seven or eight pounds from his from his prime. I think it'd be a lovely race for him. Yeah. Um, and it just makes the thing so much more interesting. You know, like these they're they're setting these horses proper tasks to to do something like pr- legendary, basically. And like I, I got a bit of stick for it afterwards from a few, but like in the in the immediate aftermath of the Irish Derby, you know, I, I made the comment that um, you know, the Irish Derby, you know, classic. Um, supposed, you know, this is what it's supposed to be all about. And uh, Trushan's performance 15 minutes earlier in the Northumberland plate, I, I suspect, will be far more remembered in, in the fullness of time than, than Westover winning the Irish Derby, you know, because that was special. You know, there's, 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 I think we'll be waiting quite a while before we see any horse win a handicap off 120 again. Good job we didn't write Ash. I, I, do, I do think that um, I've said it before I think on the pod you know, I think generally trainers can be can follow a bit of a fashion and I do hope that this might just start the ball rolling for more trainers to start taking more of a swing uh, mm. with a similar type of idea because now it's been done once more recently hopefully that might just ignite a few ideas in people's brains about what might be possible going forwards because mm. true shan isn't the second coming of pegasus do you know what i mean so like he's managed to do it and he's it's a it's a it's a great performance on the day but i think a few trainers will be thinking hang on a minute maybe we could just take a swing with something at a higher rating and a handicap mm. and it's i was especially kept, like, in big money with, yeah, with exactly. Money, you know, money, like the Ebor, Ebor, Cesar, the new, and, new Irish Cesar, which yeah, yeah. I think this, me. you know, I really hope this will ignite a few, uh, you know, switch on a few light bulbs in people's minds, trainers at home, anyway. Well, I, I didn't mention this uh, Japanese um, horse uh, title holder um, from the weekend. I didn't see uh, the race. Does anybody know anything about it? Fourteen to one from the arc, a sensation yeah. apparently, but I didn't. I didn't. No, I'm 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 drawing a blank on this. I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I only saw the race on. Um, I don't saw the race. I don't know the depth for the full. Okay. Clearly, okay. Uh, clearly Fair enough. Very, very yeah, impressive. but he's he's hammered a few horses that have come over. Um, Deep Bond, you'll remember, came over at the back end of last year, and um, and he he was ultimately well beaten in the arc. He did he did win. He beat Broom one day at Longchamp, and uh, and this horse has hammered him. In their last two meetings there, so that kind of gives you an idea that that deep bond is 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 a smart horse, and his title holder has absolutely whopped him. He's beaten by four lengths the other day. He beat him by seven lengths um, about six weeks ago. So yeah, if if they brought him over, maybe he's the one that Japan have been waiting for to come over and oh, win the. Oh God! Act. Here we go again. Well, yeah. okay. All right, that's the weekend pretty much done, unless anybody has anything else they want to say from it. Um, but I guess we should move on. And we do have a lot of questions um, from listeners, uh, which we'll get to in a few minutes' time, about this next subject, which is obviously the parting of the ways, sabbatical or otherwise, between John Gosden and Frankie de Tori. Um, the first thing to say here is that, oh, look, yeah. it's been officially called a sabbatical. I don't know, Tony Calvin, whether you, you believe that there's any chance that this relationship can be reformed. I certainly don't. I think they've probably um, used the word sabbatical to give themselves time to kind of work out exactly how this end in relationship is going to work out. But uh, your thoughts on it overall? Well, uh, obviously, it's been done to death in the last 10 days or so. It's, yeah. I, I think the story was brought forward when it was revealed that Frankie had gone away for a wedding of his goddaughter the week before Royal Ascot and wasn't there, presumably wasn't there in the stable at all. I mean, that is... That is really surprising, isn't it? And, and obviously after Ascot, he's gone away straight after. And you just got to, 
you have got a question. He's kind of like he's hungry and stuff like that. I mean, I was thinking about this and Gosden's reaction, and I'm just wondering whether Gosden's annoyed at himself for allowing that to, to actually happen. I mean, the last thing that Gosden would want to be seen is weak, mm. and the fact that he's allowed, he's allowed the jockey to go away beforehand and straight afterwards. Um, perhaps that explains a lot. Perhaps Gosden's disappointed in himself, you know, for, for allowing that situation to develop, whereby, I mean, if you're an owner in that yard, um, and obviously, you know, you, you know, Stradivarius, I don't have a massive amount of problem with the ride. I thought he just got outridden by, by Ryan Moore in a race on Kiprios. But, you know, we've seen throughout that meeting, there are some rides he'd, he'd like to have again. And, you know, if you're an owner in that yard and you, you find out that, the final touch is being put into preparation and the jockey riding the horse the following week isn't even there. You know, like he's, he's gone away for a, a wedding of his goddaughter, but he's not going away. You know, you can fly in and out for a wedding. I know these Italians yeah. like a, a week long wedding or something, but I mean, this is this ridiculous. And I just wonder whether Golston's more disappointed in himself for not being firmer with the Tory than actually being more disappointed in the jockey himself. So that's my take on it. Um, I don't, obviously, we don't know what's going on. The sabbatical thing is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. it's just, just, have, any of you, have any of you met the AD Gosinger? Any of you know him? I, I've yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know, I know. Okay, go on. Yeah, what he, kind of a, he actually, was he over he, at Joseph's? Did you say he was, he was Joseph's when he was young? Yeah, yeah. When he was yeah, he was, yeah. He, he was there a few years ago. Um, yeah. oh God, it was probably two or three years ago. He did. Right. Um, God, how long? He's probably there for six months or more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, what kind of a guy is he? And when I say what kind of a guy, is he the type of guy do you think? Obviously, with his name now down as um, as co-trainer alongside his dad, is he the kind of guy who would have quite a strong view about how he would like to do things under his dad? And is he the kind of guy who might be at the center of what's going on here? Do you think? Um, I, I'd be surprised no. personally. I'd be surprised. Okay. I don't. I don't okay. know. I, I, but I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. Okay. Um, okay. And and look with this, like I think with these things, you only ever get so much detail in, in in the public domain, and you have to read between the lines a little bit. And there's been quite a bit of, um, I suppose, fun being poked at the word sabbatical and and speculation about what it means. And I haven't thought about it a bit since. Like I, I do wonder, did they use that word rather than just saying, "Look, we've decided to end the relationship"? I wonder has the word sabbatical been used because like there's going to be some kind of flashpoints in this thing in the next few weeks in that what happens when in spiral runs next and Chivoli Park won Frankie to take the ride because he has yeah. an existing relationship mm-hmm. with the Philly. She, she's, you know, she's a challenging ride. And, and if they say, right, look, I really want Frankie to ride the horse. Does the word sabbatical allow enough wiggle room for, um, for that to happen without, you know, w- w- without, I suppose, contradicting what's being said? Maybe, I don't know. It, um, look, in the whole thing, look, the relationship has clearly been being strained for quite some time, like Stradivarius a few times last year. You remember Palace Pier after he got beat by Baid on Champions Day, like there was again yeah, yeah. some kind of public uh, shade being cast there by, by Gosden onto the Tory. Um, so, look, I, I'd say it hasn't been the world's healthiest relationship for a while. Uh, you get the impression with the two of them that it's, it's been a bit not quite love hate, but there's, you know, 
it, 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 it's always been a little bit niggly for a long time, probably. Um, as trainer jockey relationships often are, um, but it's all been come to a head. We are where we are. Um, and look, I suppose the Tories' response to this is going to be the interesting thing because look, it, it would have been Gosden that said, "Look, I, I think this don't think this is working out." You know, it wouldn't have been the Tories saying that. You can't imagine. Um, mm. and, it, and it depends how Frankie, at the age of um, whatever fifty one, fifty two, how he reacts to it. Does he have the hunger left in him? to use this as a chip on his shoulder to motivate him forward um, and go ringing around for rides. He doesn't have an agent. He hasn't had an agent for the last while. You know, is he going to go seeking out big race rides and trying to be that that mercenary looking to, to win group ones and show John Gosden what is missing? You know, go. does he want to, you know, does he want to drive drive him on to beat John Gosden in some of these races to show him what, what, what it's all about? Um, or at the age of 51, 52, with presumably a massive bank account, you know, won every race. Retire. You know, will he just say, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, do I need to do this? You know, that's that's the most interesting thing for me, from a human sportsman side of things, from my perspective, is how does Frankie respond to this? Um, because if he responds the, the former way, um, i.e. it really lights a fire under him and really gets that laser focus back, it's, it's going to be fascinating because yeah. a lot of top trainers around the world will be more than happy to put a, a laser focus Frankie up. Um, you 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 know if you if you if you had a ride available in a big race and Frankie's sitting in the waiting room and you think he's riding well, do you really want to leave him in there or do you want him on your side? Paul Robinson says my opinion is that Gosden's told Frankie that he's not riding well enough anymore, but has left the door open for him to return if his form picks up a bit of a motivation, perhaps. And um, two on the next issue, a part of this story, I guess. Um, King of Dairy Queen says, "What price Holly Doyle to get the ride on Inspire next up?" And Ben says, "If you had a choice to be Gosden's number one." Who would you choose? Tom Marcand should be in that discussion. So in terms of who is in the frame to be Gosden's um, number one, should Frankie Dettori not come back and the uh, sabbatical is actually a, a permanent break, as we all believe that it is. Um, so it's Holly Doyle is, was four to one from four to nine. So she's drifting like a barge to the other job. Seven to four from four to one is James Doyle, Ushie Murphy, nine to two, Colin Keane, 12 to one and so on. And Vanessa, like, I don't know, Holly Doyle, initially was obviously the overwhelming favourite when the market was up, but she's um, obviously proved pretty friendless in the betting. How much liquidity there is in this market, I don't know, but anyway. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think John Gosden's always stated that he likes having a stable jockey for obvious reasons in terms of partnerships with horses, riding work, you know, having someone to work closely with. And now he's come out, hasn't he? And he said, we're not going to appoint a new stable jockey. Isn't that right? So... It's kind of it's a little bit contradictory to what he's always wanted in the past. So is he only saying that at the moment just to let the dust settle a little bit before they get in mind who they might want further down the line? I don't know. So it's quite open ended as to whether this market is even worthwhile looking at, because is he actually going to appoint someone new at the at the top table for the yard? As for who it might be, just as obvious holes we put, picked in all the names that are there. Um, Holly Doyle drifting like a barge would they appoint her as a stable jockey I thought there were some people that maybe should have been in the betting that weren't in the betting and then some people who are in the betting who I thought there's not even point at any point in them being priced up it's not really a market I take much interest in because I don't think we'll hear anything on this yeah. for a long time and yeah. as for the actual <clears throat> split itself like my view would be obviously my dad spent a lot of time with Frankie Dettori and John Gosden, both separately and together in the making of the Dettori film. And, you know, I spoke to him at length about it. He was on Sky Sports Racing, Racing Debate yesterday. And, you know, the general consensus is like n neither of those two people are straightforward characters. 
in different ways. They're very different, Gosden and the Tory, but neither of them are that straightforward. Both of them have egos. And so as a result, is it that much of a surprise that this this relationship has come to a bit of a nasty end? Not really, because when you're dealing in relationships in any form, in any walk of life, they're never straightforward. The road is never straight. And then specifically when you're under the microscope of being a professional sports person and a professional trainer in a sport like ours, when you're tricky characters anyway for different reasons, it's just I can completely see how it's come to a head. And yeah, I think egos are probably at play, different, you know, a different chapter of the Tory's life now as well. And so it's sad. It is sad, but I'm not surprised that we've got to this point, given the two people who are at the who are playing the main parts in this particular program. Okay. And also, I mean, effectively, Gosden hasn't had a stable jockey, you know, for the last two seasons, given the amount of rides that the Tory had. He's He's the big race jockey, you know, at, at, on on the weekends. I mean, he, he said himself, you know, he's not a he's not a Yarmouth man or a Monday and Tuesday. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll just bide his time. And I mean, the likes of you know, I would say the haggis job for Mark Rand and stuff like that is, is probably a bigger job than Gosden's at the moment, given given the wealth of talent that Haggis has got coming through. I mean, we we did the weekend preview and we haven't even mentioned the likes of Sense of Duty. You know, looked at Group One filly and waiting. You know, uh, Newcastle. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's going to pick and choose, isn't he? And obviously, he's got Lord North and Mishriff in the in the Eclipse on Saturday. It'd be interesting to see who who, who run who, who who gets the ride there. But as, as Kevin said, if an owner turns around, a, a big owner turns around and said, "I want Frankie on Mishriff on Saturday," then there's some big discussions to be had between Gosden and the owners because. If an owner puts their foot down, then you know you could you could get some horses leaving the yard. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. It'll be interesting when Inspiral is next up as well, um, if he is uh, on board or not. A um, couple of more questions, obviously, from listeners. In Big Jan Mulby's stunt doubles says, "Do you expect the jockey club to be transparent and publish the results of the consultation it has run with annual members, trainers, etc.?" Most of the questions were free text boxes, but the one to five scoring should be easy to publish by customer type. Do you think they will publish the results? Yeah, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? It, it, it would be transparent. Um, and look, I know that, that that's not the only way they've conducted the consultation. They've been, you know, doing one-on-one interviews as well. Um, so I, I don't think they could be accused of not talking. With who, people. Kev? Um, well, I did one. I don't know who else. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who else they got. I'm sure if they were talking to me. I'm sure they've been talking to a huge amount of people. Um, you know, so I don't think that's they could be accused. I, I don't think they could be accused of, of not um talking uh i suppose it just comes down to where they will listen <laughs> I, I i did ask i did ask someone to forward me on the survey and it was uh some some questions are quite interestingly positioned but no look if if they're not willing to publish it some journalists should get on their ass and and make sure you they do get to uh, do get a line on it yeah i mean if they if they're going to go to the uh, the extent of getting a survey done we should have maximum transparency about what feedback they've actually got Nathan Hull says, what chance do punters have with incorrect going description being reported with clerks obsessed with overwatering and not having good to firm ground? Might not have been paying attention in previous years, but it seems farcical this season and worse than usual. Is it worse than usual? I'm sure this has been the ever-present issue in, in racing probably for hundreds of years, really. <laughs> you know, and in this day and age, you'd hope it would be better. But look, it's, it's difficult. It's not the easiest thing to measure. You know, I don't think the going stick is infallible. Um you know, the Clarks are doing their best, one, one would hope. 
Um, but we do get plenty of cases of going being changed quite quickly after racing has begun, things like that. And um, you know, I don't think standards are where they should be, but it, it's you know the nature of uh, of of soil and everything else. It, it isn't a straightforward job at all. I think I think what triggered that question might have been the three day new market meeting at the July course where. They were calling it good, good to firm in places, and the Times from Thursday onwards suggesting it was on the easier side of good. And um, people whose job it is and whose betting job it is to actually analyse stuff like that was, were adamant it was on the softer side of good and not the faster side of good. So yeah, uh, Newmark, like I say, it's I, I like the press have got a role to play in this. Uh, if it's clearly slower than advertised, get the clerk on, say what's happened. I mean, Newmarket were watching throughout. Uh, it's interesting, obviously very small fields and they had some, non- I was joking with somebody over the weekend and they were getting non-runners because of the going and I just wondered whether it, with the going it was you know, softer than advertised or quicker than advertised. I, <laughs> I suggest it might have been the former, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the, more, the more scrutiny, we all know they've got the worst job in the world and um, you know, Andrew Cooper's probably got a job on this week because it's uh, with the set, two-day Sandown meeting because there's well, it's been raining here this morning and he was putting putting down five mil on Monday or on the round course. So incredibly tricky job. No one's saying it's an easy job, but, you know, when when they need to, they need to be pulled up. Yeah, absolutely. OK. Um, David Brown says, uh, what can be done to, be stopped, to stop horses being compromised by being in the stalls too long? Surely a time limit or a number of attempts should now be set in stone to stop the unfairness caused by unruly ones. So this is horses who are stuck in the stalls for five minutes waiting for other horses who don't want to go in, perhaps been hanging around. Is it unfair to them? Yeah, uh, is but, it causing but, but bear in mind, if you're, if you're a problem loader, you should be loaded first. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, you've in, always in, said that. Then, yeah, in, yeah. In, inconveniencing, inconveniencing, ah, Jesus, inconveniencing. That, yes, thank you. <laughs> the horses that, um, that, that do the right thing. Yeah. Just does, it seems kind of fundamentally unfair to me. And I know someone say, well, if there are a problem in the stalls, you know, you can't leave them in there for, for three minutes while everyone else loads. Well, well tough lads. It's, it's part of the race. It's part yeah. of the race. And, um, you know, some horses will be naturally claustrophobic and you could send them into any yard and they might be, might be a problem. But um, yeah. a lot of uh, stalls behavior is because of the way they've been trained and educated. So, uh, I'm inclined to say tough if you if you were caught out by such a change, but that's that's the way I do it. I, that's kind of a long held view, and there doesn't seem to be any great interest in um, in doing it yeah. that way. But that would be a lot fairer in my mind. Okay, fair enough. John Patrick Conger says knee jerk exaggerations by people who should know better. What should the penalty be? What is he talking about here? I, he's talking. I assume he's I talking about Shershan. Look, uh, and, uh, look. I think some people maybe kind of misspoke or mistweeted afterwards, and kind of made made a, made their adulation a bit broader than was necessarily atten- intended. In you what know, way? Had, In what well, way? We had, a, we, had a, we had a few the social media post, accounts. Yeah, best of all time, Vanessa. Greatest flat racing performance of all time. When I, I suspect and I hope they meant. You know, greatest handicap performance in a flat race of all time, or something a little bit on a, a Tuesday at three thirty during the race. Bearing, bearing in mind, Trushan's <laughs> only fifteen hands. It was a stunning performance. Little He might have been talking about McCartney at uh, Glastonbury. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He give he give Tiger Roll a run for his money in the rat stakes, wouldn't he? Yeah, and I tell you that that's that's another example of again my long held call to to measure horses and publish their their height 
So we can actually know how big these horses are. You know, over the years, we've been told Tiger Roll is, you know, knee high to a grasshopper. And uh, he's not yeah. actually that small, lads, but uh, no one could actually yeah. tell you how tall he is. I've, no got I've got the answer. I've got the answer. and measured him. <laughs> I've got the answer. We're going to send Dan Barber into every single stadium <laughs> in the country to stand too, next to the horse. <laughs> he's two Dan's tall. <laughs> two, two and a half Dan's. Jeez. Jeez. He's three Dan's, lads. That's like three Dan's. <laughs> if, he's, if he's smaller than Dan, he's small. And if he's bigger than Dan, he's big. <laughs> you, using Dan as a unit of measurement. Oh, brilliant. Oh, classic. How many, how many Dan's before we run out? Oh, my God. Brilliant. Um, Richie Evans said, stick a hurdle in front of Trushan and send him jumping. Any, any appetite for that? Yeah, yeah I, I think Alan King has come out uh, just literally as we're on air and basically said, yeah, no chance, lads. <laughs> but, uh, what? but it I, was a chance at one stage. If he, was he, has, he has been schooled. He has been schooled. Yeah, yeah, if he was mine, I would, I, would, I would do it for the crack. I really would. If that, yeah. I owned that horse, I would. Absolutely. When we went there to the filming, that was definitely, <laughs> we were talking about that at one stage, for sure. Send yeah. him straight over his fences, lads. He's three Dan's tall. <laughs> three Dan's tall. Big scopey fecker. Three Dan's. Dave, hi guys. <laughs> 1.6 million pounds been thrown at this. Everyone's turf promotion seems rather a lot of considering that uh, equates to Hamilton's entire 2022 prize money and almost <laughs> twice the Derby purse. Racing also appears to be alienating the existing and older demographics through greed and cashless courses. <laughs> like I think like, we all agree the message is, is a worthwhile message and we'd all be behind it, but whether one can justify spending such sums um yeah. is is another yeah. matter and i'd also agree with the point about the kind of alienating the the, the existing customer base and especially the the older race score which is very important we raised it um a few weeks ago about the the price for uh pensioners to get into race courses and things like that like these, yeah. these are guys that you know they're in they're in we have them you know they're in our hand we need to look after them because it, yeah it's not easy to get people committed enough to be in the hand and be committed race scores, committed racing fans. So when we get them in, rather than constantly focusing on getting in the, the new fellas in out of the bush, and the guys in the hand need to be well looked after too, and the ladies, of course. I'm not going to get worked up about this, but what do you, how much percentage do you reckon Jermaine Genius has got out of that 1.6 million? Oh, my God. I, I honestly reckon, and obviously I, I'm just guessing, but he's got a massive. He's got a massive profile, hasn't he? Didn't he? Didn't someone make a big deal about him presenting some massive football awards recently? Yeah, he basically he he basically was um, doing the World Cup. He did the World Cup draw. He was the main guy yeah. doing the World Cup kind of guitar. I have a horrible feeling. I have a horrible feeling. He's had about a quarter of that. Yeah, getting involved. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, as a great man, as a great man once said, "That my son is a war right touch." Uh, <laughs> right touch. I'd love to tell you. I'd love to sign his agent. Be a millionaire before you know it. Brad Maxley says, um, "We saw Roy ask us some. These are the last three questions. Some uh, some jockeys asking others for space on their own." With their horse getting worked up, how far game is it for another jockey to ignore this and try and get the rival horse worked up? Any examples of it happening? Uh, God, I, I, I don't know. Does it yeah, happen? I, 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 I could think of some some little examples, yeah, where, where there's a bit of gamesmanship there and the in the preliminaries and what have you. And, yeah, you know, yeah. All it's all part of it. It's all part of it. It's, if, if, is... if it's within the rules, <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. also, you know, the horse's temperament is is you know part of what makes it a racehorse, and so. If its temperament is questionable and someone's going to, you know, make use of that, then, yeah, yeah if it's part yeah, of the like rules. You, yeah, like you'd, see, you'd see little things there, like horses going down to the start. There's one that gets very free, you know, you'll often yeah. one of the lads will, will kind of sneak up on it from behind and kind of canter off past it to fire it up. You know, little, little yeah. things like that. And I'm all for it. I'm all for yeah, it. absolutely. Every, every edge, lads, marginal Every game. tool, every tool. Stick a, stick a filly in front of the favourite for a, a, a big race. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every tool at your disposal. Chris Little says, is the new bonus scheme for winter, winter all-weather racing merely crumbs for the table, excuse me, to appease those looking for a wider review on an increase in prize money throughout the year? I don't know, is it? Is anyone in a position to say no thanks? It's a lot of money going into prize money in, a, in an area where, you know, a lot of the... It's uh, impossible to say it without sounding patronizing where the, where the smaller trainers would have a lot of runners. Mm. You know, it's 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 going to be it's going to be much appreciated in many, uh, many quarters, I suspect. Yeah, I fully okay. afford it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how the million being split up, but I've always yeah. been the case that you want to chuck more money down the bottom end rather than the top end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So I, 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 and Je- finally, Jeremy James says, sorry, he's wondering, is there is there a comparison between Ollie Bell and... Ed Chamberlain, do you mean in terms of presenting style, James? What, what, what do you think is it like in terms of presenting style? Are they similar? What's what's I don't know. I don't know. I understand that one. I, I, that's... Most, the most impressive thing about that question is he spelled Ed Chamberlain's uh, name right. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. He did go A-I-N at the end. I was massively impressed by that. Very good. Um, okay, lads, just a reminder, that's pretty much it. And thanks to everyone who took the time to send in the questions. We appreciate it, as always. Just a reminder that Racing Staff Week, uh, as we mentioned at the top, uh, the thank you competition is now live. Details can be found in the show notes. The competition closes this Thursday, so get your videos in quickly. And we're very much looking forward to picking our winner and announcing on the show next week, very best of luck. We're back at Racing Only Better on Thursday, looking ahead to the weekend's action. Uh, hope you enjoy the week, everyone. Take care. Do mind yourselves. Kevin, where are you, by the way, on holidays? I'll come and join you for a pint tonight. Oh, I'm up in Dublin. I'm up in Dublin. Oh, great. All right, uh, just give me just tell me, tell me, tell me text there. I'll drop, I'll drop in to see you and Dean. We'll have a Hang on, hang on a sec. You've dropped two stone in the last two days. You're on your deathbed, and then you're going on the piss for play. <laughs> I'm joking. Sense. There's no way I'm coming to interrupt his romantic weekend in Dublin with tea. I'd be beat with my own shoes. Not a chance of that. <laughs> He's not saying <laughs> he's with Dee. He might be with someone else. Just no, 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 no. She, she's here. She's actually sitting on the floor over there, so she doesn't come into shots. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Dee. On the left. Hi, Dee. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Enjoy the break. Enjoy the week, guys. Talk to you soon. Mind yourself.